Good evening, spookerinos, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're continuing our special bonus Halloween triple, wherein each of us has chosen a different scary movie. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we're continuing today with 1985's The Midnight Hour, directed by Jack Bender and selected by me. Uh, the Midnight Hour is a television film that first aired Friday, November 1st, 1985 on ABC. <laughs> what? You know, and I was thinking about that. And it, it makes sense because if you put it on on Halloween night, this is kind of for kids and teenagers. And no, so they're all going to be out trick or treating. Put it before no, Halloween. No, you put it out a week before <laughs> Halloween, and then you play it like every afternoon until yeah. Halloween. That this makes seems like, that makes sense too. This seems like a horrible way to get anything out of your investment in making an entire fucking movie to air on TV. Yeah, I bet it's a Friday night, so that's you know. Oh, I guess Friday night also was yeah. Not f- prime the, the, fr- the Friday after people stop caring about Halloween, right? Yeah, congrats. <laughs> There's a lot of like uh, kind of like colonial like pilgrim kind of stuff, though. So maybe there were maybe this was really a Thanksgiving film. You got every mom in America already preheating their ovens for turkey <laughs> and some assholes yeah. like, hey, here's a here's a scary movie to watch. ABC is already airing Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, anyhow. Or is that CBS? I don't know. Whatever. I think it's CBS. Fuck. Fuck. No, I wasn't going to say All right. Um, let's see. Andrew, had you seen this film before? <laughs> oh, man. What if I said yes? Would that blow your mind? No, I think no you've because seen a lot it's of you. Uh, no, Mike, I have I've never seen this movie. You know, what's more surprising to me that I haven't seen this movie is that huh. this movie is the movie that that nabbed this title. The Midnight Yeah. Hour. Yeah. It's it does seem like a movie that uh, a movie title that would have been belonged to a movie that I had seen. So that's what I will say about okay. not having seen this movie. Interesting. Kit, <clears throat> had you seen this film before? Uh, no, I had not. OK. Moving right along. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to be another one of those. Oh, oh, Mike's in trouble. Let's just go no. ahead. Okay, you're not. This is not a Hollywood Nights situation. It definitely okay, isn't. Okay. This movie is is. Well, I didn't um, like Hollywood Nights. I know. I'm just saying that. Like, oh, I'm. Wait, I should say I have seen the film before. I selected it because I really enjoy this movie. Um, so I should, yeah. But go ahead, please, please. Here's here's this is my this is the feeling that I came away with after watching this movie. My feeling was that if I wanted to watch a movie like this and feel roughly as I think this movie wants me to feel, I will just watch Hocus Pocus. Mm. And, 
and that'll be enough. It is so hocus pocus. I couldn't because I noted that, like, oh wow, this movie. I said that it's like a combination of what did I say? Of like hocus pocus, um, the thriller video, and <laughs> one other thing. What was it? Hold on, sorry. Oh no. Um, and Susie Q, that Disney Channel movie that rules. Yes. Oh my um, gosh, you're totally right. <laughs> but like, it came out before all of those things, except the thriller video. So I feel like, like, it got even increasingly hocus pocusy over time. Um yeah. So maybe, yeah. maybe they were, maybe Disney was peeping this. Yeah. No, that's kind of why I wanted to watch it with you guys, Kit, especially because I know you're such a huge hocus pocus fan. Um, but yeah, I don't think that this is like a great, flawless movie by any means. But I just I saw this for the first time last year and I was like, this movie is like it's just kind of like one of those little like totally forgotten gems. Like there's no it's a TV film. There's no reason for anybody to really, you know, mm-hmm. uh, remember it that well. But yeah. And I don't even know that it has like a big cult following or anything. There's definitely some appreciation online. But um, no, I just think there's a lot to appreciate in it, even though it, as a film isn't like it's like a must see, you know, type of deal. I think but, there's uh, some things to appreciate in it yeah well i guess yeah one thing uh well i will say that and maybe i'll cut this part out but i will say (coughs) that like it was genuinely hard to watch because it was like a scan of a worn out vhs tape yeah so like i i had legit issues like seeing and hearing things um which is kind of important to the experience but um uh one thing I thought was funny. Uh, do you know what happened to the guy who starred in this movie? No. He is a real estate agent now in Solvang, California, which oh, is cool. like a little, it's like a, it's like a Dutch German town in California in like wine country oh. in wine country. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, my, so we my trivia him. about that guy is mm. have either of you seen girls just want to have fun? Yeah, you better no. believe it. Do you know it's him? One of Dennis's, yeah, it's one of Dennis's favorite movies. I be, I was like, I watched it a, wh- a while ago, and uh, I don't know, years ago, after I moved here, I think. And I was like, uh, he's really, he's such a dick in that movie. Like, his character is such a piece of shit. But mm-hmm. that he's like, almost like not even cute in it, because he's just like, but then in the... I would say that movie's so worth watching because of the final dance scenes where like when I rewatched it like before this episode because I just because it was reminding me of it. And like he pops up and the shock. So there's two things that are hilarious about it. He they do like a flip off off a thing and then him and they both pop up him and Sarah Jessica Parker. And he is wearing a t-shirt cut off like so high that it's like a bra practically but he has like a big white blazer over it and that is awesome and then the whole their whole dance scene is shot so like it's on a television studio is like the premise of the film and it's like someone's in the catwalk shooting them because they are obviously it's not him and sjp doing the dance but it's like they're a mile away from the actual dancers the whole time so that you can't tell that it's not them and it's just like what <laughs> like I watched this whole movie with these two people training for this dance routine and they're so clearly not in any of it and it's really funny um and that's very fun also Helen Hunt is so cute in that movie so <clears throat> I would say oh cool 
fire truck just holding his hand on the horn. <laughs> um, How dare he? I, Was he I trying? To, what are you trying to get to a fire or something? <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think I think watching it, I I felt like I understood why. I think oftentimes when I watch movies that you put out there for us to watch, I feel like part of the experience is like, okay, got to get inside the head of Mike. What <laughs> what is the thing that Mike likes about this movie? It's like, uh -huh. oh, it's. Uh, small town um it's halloween night uh the cemetery has uh inex in inexplicable uh fog coming from the ground smoky ground um mm -hmm. and then uh the the there's a little it's there's some there's some sexiness kind of but it's not actually that sexy <laughs> um and uh there's like some maybe like some attempts at humor that are sort of weird. Um, not saying these are the only things that you like, but just like things that sort of like maybe some people think are bad, but that you would consider charming. Mm -hmm. Is that, am I mischaracterizing you? No, and no, I mean, this is one of the reasons you like movies like this. Yeah. Like, and like I said, I don't think that this is like, like I was listening earlier to sleepaway camp episode. Uh, where Kit has like the idea of like a secret success, you know, and uh, I think that this it is what it is. But you're right, and that all of those various elements that you've listed are like just put them together for me, and it doesn't have to be that good. But it's like I just like that. Um, like, yeah. I mean, really, like, I don't know. I'm I'm also pretty sure that this is that the same small town from like every Universal. You know, or from, yeah, like because I think it, it said it was shot on the Universal Studios lot. And I even wondered if that gazebo was like uh, like from Gilmore Girls. I, I wondered to that, too. Out. It's yeah. not. I'm pretty sure. But that was my first thought as it was looking like I was also thinking of like Back to the Future. Like, I looked... know. Okay, I was, yeah, I was waiting to see the clock tower. Um, Sarah mentioned Gremlins, too, like how Gremlins starts hmm. with a little small town town square. Um it, it did yeah. make me it did make me think about um hocus pocus though obviously um but uh you know it made me think about how like you can't make a movie like this anymore without like winking at the camera and even hocus pocus kind of is a little bit is kind of this but like kind of a more self-aware version of this um and i don't necessarily want movies like this like if you were to make this movie like i wouldn't necessarily want people to like be smiling into the camera um but yeah i don't know there's something about it that like can't exist anymore in some ways and so that's kind of like that's kind of a cool thing mm -hmm. okay what did you think um i enjoyed it i would say i yeah. kind of feel like i don't know why they don't like basically make this movie once a year on halloween like yeah like just the concept is so basic of like it's Halloween night. Teenagers want to go to a party and some creatures like rise from the dead or some or come from hell and they're mixing in with all the people in costume. Like that just seems like a perennial concept that I would never get tired of <laughs> like like watching, you know, just the the chaos You're... that ensues from that situation. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. That and would actually be a really fun... cool idea mm -hmm. to remake something every single year, but like that's the point. Like um 
I don't know that they've ever done that with anything. And I don't think I don't think it should have like all the same scenes or jokes or anything, but just like that basic concept of like we start. I mean, gosh, it's so much like Hocus Pocus, but like we start in a, in a high school room and, you know, there's a kid who's like overly serious about something <laughs> and everyone else is trying to have fun. Um, and then like and he's like really hot, but nobody likes him for some reason. And then like he then they there's a party that night. He wants to get laid. He you know, he's some supernatural creature comes back and the parents are all oblivious because uh, it's Halloween. So everyone looks like a freak, like all just that kind of, you know, and then the kid has to salt, has to put everything back by the, by midnight or by, by some kind of uh, ticking yeah. clock, which in this movie, I, I did laugh that the ticking clock is not established until like there's 24 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> like they initiate a quest with a ticking clock at 20 at, you know, the last third of the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I enjoyed it. I thought I laughed a couple of times. I thought that in particular, like, because it, it is, it's very much a like funny scene, sexy scene, scary scene, funny scene, sexy scene, scary scene. I thought the scary scenes were pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like for like a TV movie, like when, um. When like Kevin McCarthy, also another reason Mike likes this movie is there's like multiple Weird Al connections. I think um, yeah. uh, Kevin McCarthy and Dick Van Patten both. Um, but like when Kevin McCarthy goes out to like investigate the trash can area and like that guy jumps out, I was like, that's good. And then particularly, I felt yeah. like the vampire scene with like the wine bottles like spilling yeah. everywhere while she's biting her. And I love that this movie does multiple times as it mixes score. I also have some crazy credits for this film, but um, it mixes the score with another like popular song that's playing. And in that scene, it's How Soon Is Now by the Smiths, which is like and I thought that was like fantastic. It was so cool. And then later there's like Pagliacci mixed with score while they're in like the foggy streets and all the like demons are walking around and stuff. And like uh -huh. that I thought that was really cool and not something mm -hmm. that I've seen very often. I do wish I could have like seen the movie better because yeah. I felt like the cinematography was like okay, particularly in like the uh, town establishing like yeah. opening. It looked pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, when it when it like that oh even just like that opening shot that it opens in is, is yeah. pretty is like pretty cool and impressive. Um and I like like the night lighting is cool. Like I think the uh the the cemetery looked really cool. I kind of mentioned this, but like uh there's when they're driving into it, it reminded me so much of the miniatures in Beetlejuice when they're like shrunk oh, yeah. into the miniatures. Just the way that looked, I was like, this has got to be in a on a soundstage. Like, funny this is, you should no... say that. Okay. <laughs> Why, what do you got? <laughs> well, I'll just say so. Um, the special effects makeup artist was on Beetlejuice. Um, awesome. Van Helsing, The Grinch, Galaxy Quest, The Mummy, and two very oh, cool. important episodes of X-Files in which uh, CSM <clears throat> and a bunch of other old guys on the show have to look like they're 30 years younger. Um, that rules. The, the score is by the composer of The Terminator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I loved, I really liked the score. Um, this is edited okay. by the editor of Popeye. <laughs> the um, Altman film. Um, again, yes, again, the Altman great. film. <laughs> um, 
the costume designer was a costumer on Staying and Staying Alive and Rhinestone, which like are like two of the most crazy tacky movies you could possibly work on, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Both um, involving Sylvester Stallone. Yes, ta- one tangent. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> well, certainly involving Stallones. Did he produce, write it, or produce Staying Alive? He 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 directed it. He direct. Oh, I forgot about that. That's how yeah, Frank Stallone got in there. Um, yeah. He's also in it for a sec. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, there's some like at, at weird, you know, people with some skills and some success on this movie. Yeah. You got LeVar Burton in there. I'm She's... really surprised he wasn't too famous for this. So this was... was before Star Trek. Okay. But it's so after it was like, Roots. I think, <clears throat> I think I know, but it's like. A few it's like years after roots yeah sherry belafonte that's the other thing sherry belafonte was 36 in this movie lavar yeah. burton was 33 lee montgomery <laughs> was 29 nice so also there's jonah lee who played the ghost uh the 50s ghost and uh she like retired from acting after just a handful of roles um but like while we're talking about the cast, I wanted to point her out. She was also in this TV movie I watched called Shattered Innocence, which mm-hmm. is about oh Pauline Anderson. I don't know. It was based on like the true story of this lady from Kansas who like moved to LA and then like got in the porn industry and became like a drug addict and all this kind of stuff. It was kind of like one of those very like sappy 80s TV movies. But I thought she was she's very good in that. And uh yeah, I don't know. Caught my attention. Uh Scully's mom, the lady who plays Scully's mom, is also in this. Uh, Peter Deloise, obviously, what's his name from Robot Cop? Um, Kurtwood Smith. I love, I, I also loved that, like, Kurtwood Smith is, like, established in, like, the first 30 seconds of the movie and then doesn't come back until, like, way later for, like, one scene. And then. It's so weird because he is actually in, like, he's he's in movies and stuff at this point. I think this is before Robocop. But you I know think. What year, this? what year this is, Mike? This is 95. 90. What? Okay, it is before RoboCop. This is eighty five. It's also yeah, before that... Star Trek and stuff. So, yeah, Midnight Hour was nineteen eighty five. Okay. Oh wow! Is that what you said, Kit? Yeah, I thought Wikipedia said like it aired in ninety, and I was like, Oh, it did air wrong. on the Lifetime Channel several times okay. in the early nineties. So that might be what you've seen. Um. That, but I feel like the reason, like I almost, I honestly feel like. I can't, Dick Van Patten and Kevin McCarthy and Kurtwood Smith, like they're in it for like a minute, but they get to be monsters. And so I kind they all get to be in like crazy makeup and do a weird horror scene. And so I kind of wonder is like, is that part of why they did it? Yeah. <laughs> like that, like you'll barely have to do anything and you'll get to be like a crazy, like zombie guy, um, which that's cool if that's the reason they did it. Yeah. Um. Some more regarding the crew, uh, the writer, it was, I guess, William uh, Blyke, maybe B-L-E-I-C-H. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot of TV movies, but he also wrote a film called The Hearse, which if you like, like very atmospheric, but not, not super gory, uh, kind of low budget horror. I think that was from the 80s. 1980. Nineteen um, eighty. OK, yeah, uh, that's a good one. Um, just kind of randomly saw that one uh and then the director jack bender has done a ton of tv shows and tv films uh going back to the 80s uh, like the early 80s 
but I wrote down a handful of them. Uh, he did eight is enough. He did several episodes of that. He did like almost 40 episodes of lost. Um, he did several episodes of alias Mr. Mercedes. Um, and then some of his TV films were, uh, deadly messages about the Ouija board. And then there's also, um, killing Mr. Griffin, which I did not realize until I went and looked into him, but that's the same. It was based off the same Lewis Duncan novel that, uh, teaching Miss Tingle or killing Miss Tingle, which was then teaching Miss Tingle, uh, was based off of, uh, and it stars Amy Jo Johnson of Power Rangers. Oh, and Susie Q. He directed Susie Q? No, she's the star of Susie Q. Oh, she's in Susie Q. Okay. See, I've never seen Susie Q. I'll have to. Also, that, I guess. that Hearst movie has jo- Joseph Cotton, isn't it? Which. Yeah. That's it's a good movie. It's And it's from what I remember, like you could probably watch it if you're wanting to. I don't remember being gory or anything. It's just kind of a spooky movie. But uh, oh, and then also uh, Jack Bender. He the only feature film like theatrically released that I noticed on his IMDb was child's play three. But other than that, it looks like it's all been TV. Hmm. Why did they go to the cemetery? I think beginning? to read the scroll at their grave at the, See, the grave. I thought that too. But then later in the movie, he makes it sound like we just, we saw it was there. So we were just messing around and decided to read it. It didn't make it seem like they were there to read it. So I thought, did I miss something at the beginning? Is the movie being inconsistent? Right. Or yeah. is there some other explanation why you would drive to a spooky cemetery after committing a crime and then read a bunch of like <laughs> right. weirdo Latin incantations? I don't know if I filled that detail in myself or if there was something that made me think that. But yeah, you might be right. Okay, um, I'm just curious. But that scene where all the... So, you know, they read it and then they leave and then all the, you know, undead start breaking out of the graves. I thought that was really good. Like It was awesome. Yeah, for a low budget TV movie, mm-hmm. I was. Really I just don't. With that. I just. Yeah, I just. I felt like, well, if there was no reason for them to be there, couldn't they've just read it anywhere, and then you could kind of cross cut that with the mm-hmm. ground starting to move in the cemetery? Like, I who agree. cares yeah. if they're if they're actually in the cemetery? But it was just like, yeah. I mean, for a movie like this, it's like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna like take it down too hard for that. But it was Are- it was it was sort of confusing. Also. The worst, the worst sin this movie does it, uh, commits is it establishes somebody called the Witch Hunter General, and then we never get to see the Witch Hunter General. Yeah, that actually that occurred is, to me this time. Dude, that the, is the so lame because that is yeah. so freaking dope. That mansion well, and, that they're in at the end, the creepy old house that they're in at the end. Do they go there at the beginning of the movie, or is that the, the first house time where the party s- is? No, no. At the end. Oh wait, was that the house where the party was? It was that fucked up. Yeah, it was like that was the house where the party was, and then something had happened where it transformed into like this ghostly mansion again. Oh, okay. I think the witch did something. Okay. Okay, I missed that. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was like, oh, this is like where the guy's ring. Like we got to go get that. You know, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. No, and I think that um, that's why everybody comes down the stairs. Like they were all there. Yeah, they, which is a great mansion. shot. Yeah, it was cool. I love See, when it revealed the them. That what I most wanted when Disney Plus started was they own the right Disney owns the rights to this film apparently, and I was really hoping that they would put out like a cleaned up remastered version because it's it's it came out on DVD but it's out of print and the DVD version was what we saw. It was just this really oh, old. Oh lord. Yeah. Um. And so it's like I was hoping you'd get like a Blu-ray or you know like an HD transfer because I bet this movie would really look great and I actually think it would 
it would really improve its stature. I think more people would, I think, cause I've, I've had that happen sure. with a lot of movies. The first time you see them in high def, then uh, it's like, Oh wow, this is actually, this is much better than I, you know, there, or there's, I don't know something about it makes it better. So yeah, but it's not even on Disney plus. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe they're working on it, but uh, I'm sure it's a uh, high Top, pr- priority yeah. <laughs> over at Disney HQ. Yeah. Bob Iger himself is overseeing the transfer. <laughs> I heard. Yeah. Fingers crossed. He's he's ju- he's 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 having to juggle between that and the next Avengers movie. So yeah. both are equally high priority. <laughs> uh word is he doesn't he's he's barely sleeping because he's working so hard. I've actually heard that they're trying to pull him away from the midnight hour restoration to get him to try to focus on the Marvel movies and he just he's he won't do it. It's a struggle, Cause yeah. He cuz he knows, he knows <laughs> that, you know, I mean it's sort of like, where's the rainbow leading? You know, it, there's right. a pot of gold over here and there's a <laughs> pot of gold over here. You know, which is going to which is going to send our our stock skyrocketing. Yeah. And it, honestly, want. all the industry insiders, they're not sure. You know, mm-hmm. people are speculating could be Avengers, could be the HD transfer of the midnight hour. So anyway, a um, lot of exciting things going on at Disney HQ down <laughs> in Hollyweird. Um, what else we got? Uh, this was Macaulay Culkin's uh, first role on screen. What? He I'm was skeptical. an uncredited trick or treater. I'm Apparently. skeptical of that. What's that? Crazy. I'm skeptical of that. Yeah, it said that on Wikipedia, but that's I don't they know. They showed Maybe if not. you Google that, it shows the picture of the kid riding a bike with the skull mask on. But Macaulay Culkin would have been like five years old at the time, and that kid don't look five to me. Okay. So I don't know. This could be fake news, actually. Well, I mean, I guess if it's list, if he's, if he, especially since it's not listed in the credit, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But maybe. Well, we'll, we'll look into it and we'll try to bring it up uh, next week. Um, but uh, I'm almost out of notes. The only other note I've got. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, Mike, uh, we're only 29 minutes in, so. You're that's gonna... fine. We don't have okay. to go for an hour and a half. You know, this isn't Superman. We should probably go for an hour, though. Is... <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll figure something out. Um, the, uh, the street that it takes place on the corner of is, I mean, it, it opens mm-hmm. up on Elm street and maple, maple street. Yeah. And so it wasn't very subtle, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Right there. Mm-hmm. It did definitely feel like they were trying to, um, bring in sort of like other horror movies of the time Yeah, and just horror movies in general. Like, I mean, the, the thing with the reading of the the spell or whatever is kind of like an evil dead sort of thing. Yeah, uh, it's true. And those movies were obviously successful, but like nobody who's watching this on TV probably could have gone to see evil dead. Yeah. Um, so there's sort of like a feeling where it's like, Hey, let's make a movie for families. That is just a tiny bit racy. Yeah. And you know, is sort of hip to what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, and it also just feels like they saw the Thriller music video and they're like, we should oh, try yeah. to make this yeah. into a yeah. TV movie. Probably. Um, For sure. But yeah, I agree. Um, like, it's it's like a very family safe horror film. There's some violence that might be a little bit much for like really young kids, but I think otherwise it's just kind of good for that. Well, Only if they're friggin' wimps. It was funny that like, um, like uh, Kevin McCarthy kills his kid. <laughs> <laughs> like I found that very surprising and then like at the end when he's like blasting people with a shotgun I was like oh wow like I'm not saying that's like too violent for TV it's just not where I thought this movie was gonna go 
Yeah. <laughs> like from the beginning, we're like, oh no, it's like abusive fathers killing their children, and then <laughs> a guy like ki- shooting his friends in the chest with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's pretty um, violent. Well, and it's funny, like t- speaking of the all the kind of not references exactly, but just kind of like being inspired by a bunch of horror movies. Apparently, the house that features prominently was also used in Scream, and it's like. Scream huh. is also doing that, but in a in a very like meta way. And then this movie is just like, hey, horror movies are fun. Let's like wait. Let's do the one. house that they're partying in is also the house from the end of Scream that they're partying in. Not necessarily the end. I think it's probably the beginning. The house. From I the don't beginning. know which part of Scream, but that'd be interesting. I would be interested to know. And if so, that would almost explain why I have this weird like attraction to this movie. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, uh, among other things. But yeah, just because I mean, Scream was like a fundamental film for me. Um, but although it's pretty clunky, every time I rewatch it, I'm just like, yeah. It looks like the same house to me. Okay, that's cool. Not the, never, not the not the Drew Barrymore one. The other like white right. one, right? Well, so the house where have you seen right. Scream, Kit? No. Yeah. Okay. So there's a house. There's a house party at the end where the whole final. I mean, maybe the second and third act takes place, but that's where everybody, uh, spoiler alert, that's where everybody gets killed. Uh, But uh, yeah, I guess I could see it in this. Just, I mean, but you would have to really have like redecorated and remodeled, but that's cool. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. That's also, you know, internet trivia. Who fucking knows? Um, Maybe somebody just really went to town on fake trivia for this. Yeah, for this movie that no one... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has heard of um soundtrack is really good like yes and expensive really good I, I i hated it you hated the really? soundtrack i hate i think my least favorite type of soundtrack now is like just like these weird like horror synthy soundtracks i'm talking about like the soundtrack kind of... not the score okay the soundtrack was great i love the soundtrack <laughs> credence clearwater revival love those dudes I really liked the uh, the Barbara Lewis song. I don't know that I had heard that before this, or if I had, it just really, really struck me. You know I what's mean, crazy it, though? Guess when that song hmm. came out? Uh, my guess would be the '60s, 1965, and she's okay. clearly a '50s cheerleader. So weird that That's she would true. dedicate that song. I'm very um, surprised. That is weird. Yeah. That they were. I was surprised by the score, or that the score, the soundtrack. I was surprised that they were able, like, it just seemed like they. That would have been very expensive. Yeah. ABC, I guess. I don't know. That's probably why it's not on Blu-ray or DVD. Why that's probably why that's true. That's true. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're even using like the Smiths and stuff. Yeah. And but um, they weirdly also they use the I was like, oh, interesting. They use like the Del Shannon version of Sea of Love, um, which I think would have been like right from when that's from like 81. And then I, I was like noting that, like, oh, interesting. And then they have a fucking conversation about it in the movie, which is strange. Um, yeah. And then he reacts when she's like, oh, cool. First of all, she's like, is this a remake? Which, like, I don't know. Is that 50s language for covering songs? Whatever. But then he's like, what do you mean? Like, as if you mean this Del Shannon version of, of Sea of Love isn't the It just... They treat it like it's like Hendrix's all along the watchtower or something, which is silly. That's that's my biggest problem with the movie. <laughs> Makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, my 
you know what I think is the biggest problem in this movie? His weird ass fantasy. Did you guys? So Kit, when... real quick, I just yeah. clicked through the movie and checked. She died in 1965, so it might be possible that she had heard "Baby, I'm Yours." Wait, for real? Uh, according to her tombstone, yes. Then what the fuck is she wearing? Is she well, in I mean, a Halloween the, the early, costume? The early 60s were basically what we think of as the 50s, like in terms of like fashion stuff like that. It wasn't until like mid 60s onward where everybody was started getting all groovy. Well, then why does she like his like he's he's driving a car her dad would have driven then? It's because it's a hep it's a hep ride or whatever she said. It's not. That's like a family. I mean, what? you're overthinking it, though. I mean, you, you're probably right. But like, that's just. You know, I'm looking up maybe what, like, she a was... cheerleader wore in like 1965. It does look well. The skirts you can send are much... me pictures if you want. Sure. I don't think you'll be too <laughs> enthused. The skirts uh, are shorter than the one she's wearing for sure. Yeah. Like the it is like a big was... sw- a big sweater, but like the, the skirts are not. Yeah, I'm not buying it, man. She's clearly Fair she's enough. got a fucking scarf tied in her hair. Whatever. That's a 50s cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would have said the same. I just was looking at her tombstone. Maybe they fixed that at the last minute. Well, then that's well. perfect. But her co- that means her costume's fucked up. Yeah. What, Andrew, were you, were you saying something, though? I was talking about that dude's weird fantasy. I want to talk about What is his, his fantasy. fantasy again? He, it's like right after he meets Sandy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like out. He just like is like daydreaming about them standing next to train tracks while the dividers come down. Yeah. And the lights are blinking and the bell's going. And then they're just like. Like he's just like behind her, like grinding. Does she on her say or how she died? She died. I I don't know how she died, but I know she died twice a virgin. But I'm saying like, that is, is that, that meant is to really imply dark. that she died on the train tracks? Maybe, but it's his fantasy. It seems like I know, That's but maybe it's being inflected by like the the supernatural sexuality of her of this night of her return. I don't know. Sure, I didn't yeah, mind. Maybe. I don't know. It's bizarre. <laughs> he was really horny. I don't know if you epic. noticed. Right. But what I want to know is that's that's not a problem. I want to know how he likes trains. trains. He likes trains. Also, train okay. classic symbol of the penis. All right. <laughs> I think that's a reach. For this movie. Well, they use they also use the car hood as a symbol, the the you know, fabric convertible hood as a as a you know, metaphor for the penis in this film. So, there's a lot of like vehicular penises. A lot of vehicular penises. Okay, yeah. cool. Thank you yeah. for explaining. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh yeah, I did think it was very very sad how she basically was like established that, you know, she was a virgin. And just really wanted to have sex before she died again. And, and then didn't get to do that. I was stunned. So wait. Okay. So I missed it a little bit. So she, ex- I was stunned by her ending. I was stunned by the entire ending. But she, her situation, she says, if I tell someone I love them, what is that? I thought that meant she would get to like be alive. Right. If no, she, she fought, was there, no. she, she said she was, some of us are just here to do stuff we never got a chance to do when we were alive. So she never got oh, to fall, fall in, in love. love. Okay, okay. Yeah. So she did fall in love. It seemed a little forced at the end there. So like she's like, yeah, sure. I, I love you. Um. Uh, also, I like the implication is that she has been roasting in hell. And when she grabs that uh, axe to like chop off his friend's finger to get the ring, I was like, oh, that's why. Like, <laughs> that was funny. Um, but I couldn't. I couldn't believe in the end. First of all, she tells him I love you and he doesn't say it. 
right? Yes, that is true. So yeah. like That's there's correct. that. Then um the fact that I was like, oh, 100% somehow she's going to be back at the end of this movie is like either like like in Suzy Q where she's just like a girl who looks exactly like that girl who like shows up at his high school or like somehow she's the same person and gets a second chance. I'm like, totally like <laughs> like and then that doesn't happen. I was like, oh, my God, that's so sad. And then the movie like <laughs> ends without any confirmation that his friends are OK. Yes. It ends very abruptly. Like the yeah. baby I'm yours ending, the like dedication, like that's sweet. That's like that's like a nice emotional ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that like, oh, are the people you shot in the chest okay? <laughs> like are they right. alive? Are your friends still vampires? Like what the fuck? I think you can kind of ass- I think I think the movie wants you to assume that they are okay. Oh, certainly. Because because when the after the thing happens, the flash of light or whatever like his car is repaired, his suit is repaired. So the idea is that everything went back to normal. But like, do they know what happened to them or they don't remember it or like what? There's so many I, unanswered questions. Yeah, but again, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like a, that's a nice to have, I would say. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a necessary thing for this movie. I think it's, what is necessary is that Sandy should have lost her virginity. Of course you'd think that was necessary. It is. is necessary. I think this is. I think that is one of the most important things this movie establishes. See, I, is that I would agree with that. I think that's what I'm saying. Is it's like, especially since like the actual like quest of the film isn't established till like the very very end. I agree with you. I think they should they should have had sex. He should have also been in love with her, please. And then, but I also think the same kind of goes for like. Peter Deloise's, Deloise's abusive father, like, okay, so like, oh, great. Everything's back to normal. This guy can go back to being berated and, you know, probably beat by his alcoholic hey. dad. Like, wasn't it? When his He's dad kind of dies, anyway. you're kind of like, oh, you know, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not yeah. wrong. That was messed I, up. I think if I was to make this into like a, a good movie or a very good movie, but yeah, those would all be good fixes. I'll be good notes. And when we all you got to do, you don't have to show like, a you know, you don't have to have a penetration shot. Not asking for that. Again, that's a nice to have, but you don't uh-huh. need to have it. <laughs> you could literally just like have the thing happen. And then maybe she just like comes back. Maybe she just walks out of the mist. And it's like, oh, I get to live for some reason. Like um, right like, after they fuck. What if the, what about this? What about he's having sex with her? And yeah. then, like the moment of—I mean, let's <laughs> be right, honest, let's his climax this. or whatever—she yeah. she disappears. She's like gone, so he's just like dick in the backseat he- of the car. And then <laughs> I like that <laughs> she comes walking out of the fog, like toward yeah. toward the car. And then that and werewolf she's, guy. She's dressed him. like a totally hot '80s chick. Yeah, she's like, yeah. I'm back. Yeah, yeah, and she looks so much worse. Or maybe he <laughs> just meets. Maybe he just meets that lady's great granddaughter or something like right. that. Yeah, yeah. which I always like movies always think that that's a good idea. Like even Captain America yeah. where they're just like, "Oh shit. I can't be with the original. I guess I'll be with this gal three yeah. generations younger." Yeah, I, I think, think totally I would have liked a scene where he's like pants down in the back seat. Yeah. And I like agree. there's no woman there Full anymore. Hog. And then he goes yeah. back to the party and it's like, "Oh, hey, you." And she's like, "What if she doesn't like him?" It's the it's, it's the it's the it's the Titanic sex scene 
Exactly. Where Leo's like That's freaking exactly quivering and thinking. sweaty, but he's just by himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He even <laughs> like doesn't notice for a while. And he's, and he's hunched. <laughs> he's just he's just hunched over. And really, there was so. But here's my question. So and then was it's his she, hand. Like, was she, yeah. So he, so what you're saying is instead of having sex with her, he's just like aggressively masturbating, but yeah, but on his knees. We've already seen he has a very vivid fantasy life. Yeah, very strange. Maybe maybe we he get a train, a train in there somehow. <laughs> what yeah. if he meets a train at the end? That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I laughed out loud. You don't loud. mean a metaphorical train. You mean a literal train. A literal train, yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. I laughed out loud when he was on the couch and he's kind of like been making like he, there's that zombie guy that he's kind of mm-hmm. obviously doesn't realize is a zombie and he's kind of like friends with him. And then he's like all bummed out on the couch and his friend comes and sits next to him and he's like, oh, hey. And then the zombie has a zombie girlfriend who like yeah. sits on his lap <laughs> yeah, and they like start that. making out. I was like, that's actually funny. Like That is yeah. funny. I like the movie being about this for some reason, like virginity and Halloween go together like so well. <laughs> I, I don't did, know yeah, why. I, I also like that. Um, you, and they do kind of establish like, oh, not everybody here is here to make trouble. So it's like I like like the little the little like demon dude or whatever who's just yeah. like chilling on the staircase wearing his sunglasses. Stuff like that was cute. I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drinking the punch. Actually, you know, that would have been sort of an interesting direction to take it in, which they kind of. They kind of brushed into it, but I don't think they got into it was uh, kind of like what you're saying, where some of these people are there to like relive the life they didn't get to live or to, I guess, to live the life they didn't get to live. And then the te- for the teenagers, like that's part of a party is like you're trying to like live it yeah. up and like why you can. So it would have been kind of a I mean, I think there is some of that, but it's crossover. not explored or really developed. At all. But yeah. That's a cool idea for a movie. Well, because Did- the guy who kills Kevin McCarthy, he says guilty right yeah and kevin mccarthy's a judge right so i feel like the implication that the movie might want me to draw is that that's a guy that he condemned or something mm. interesting otherwise i thought the, the guy fuck... would have been too old how the fuck does he know that kevin mccarthy's is that was actually the... was that guy a judge was that i wondered if monster i wondered judge? if that was the witch finder general or the witch hunter general whatever they called him but a witch, witch hunter, hunter is not a ju- is not a judge. No, but it just I, seems that's like there I was some if... missing narrative tissue there that would have made that kill yeah. a lot more interesting. Yeah, made more sense. Because when but he said I guilty, if... I was like, "That's really cool." Yeah, <laughs> I like. And that. he was like, "Shut up! I'm trying to watch the movie." <laughs> we also both laughed for some reason when they're in the house at the end. No, when he's soldering. First of all, one of my notes is like, "Oh, cool! Quick soldering scene." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like explains to her like here's everything I'm doing and I need mm-hmm. you to go do this and then she just this is not going to translate but she just goes okay and like runs away, <laughs> like <laughs> runs away from the scene and I was like you don't see people say okay like that in a movie in like a real movie just like okay <laughs> yeah did you guys yeah. think it was weird that a uh, an adult teacher went yeah. to this these children's uh, so party she had the best costume yes. though and i actually didn't even realize i thought that that was like their blonde friend who later comes as like no the punk they're girl. identical <laughs> yeah yeah and i thought that's who it was. and sarah was like why is that why is the teacher there she's like she's like what why would they have invited the substitute and i was like that's not the substitute and then i figured out it was but to the substitute's credit None of the kids were drinking like they she was the adults were the only ones drinking. So that was the most realistic part 
Yeah, they just um, wanted a good some supervision for their party. They did, They're... and they and they were willing to pay her in kind by offering yeah her a bottle of wine. It's very nice from uh, her dad's cellar, which I thought was really I thought that was really nice. And it was it... quite a collection. It looked like he had some very old. Uh, well, yeah, she wine. had to be careful. She because because her dad is totally fine with her serving alcohol to her adult guests yes. while he's out of town. But you <laughs> want to be careful and not use you know an expensive bottle or something right. like that i yeah. honestly did think even though everyone playing the teens are in their 30s i honestly did think that this movie was a fairly realistic depiction of being a teenager i don't know my <laughs> first least note my is experience. that this is that the dude is the oldest teenager i've ever yes, seen in my life but aside from that okay. aside from that like that height like the, the classroom scene where they're like playing hangman and just like shit's going on and he really would like i was like that looks like I, that just it really felt like when we were in high school to me yeah. of like yeah i think i kind of feel that and um, the party like for me the fact that no one's drinking made it more like my high school experience yeah <laughs> yeah same here <laughs> nobody ever offered us alcohol we just nope. cool enough. or drugs yeah you guys were anything. freaking dweebs i, I was really really me, cool. i was out i was out partying every freaking night <laughs> i was really cool mm. kit wore a cape in high school yeah, on, you know on, select cool. days, <laughs> on select days, on select days. No, mm-hmm. the way that you know you know I was cool is that I could wear a cape to high school, and a lot of people still wanted to be my boyfriend. So a lot of <laughs> a lot of people. A lot, Andrew. Don't even front. <laughs> <laughs> if we had to list all of the boys that wanted to go out with Kate, that's that's how we would get this episode to be an hour and a half long. Yes, so. we would. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got here? LeVar Burton. <laughs> <laughs> it so was very cute. hard to uh, see him and not think of Reading Rainbow. Like his voice is just so distinctive. I, I thought he was like, I loved watching him. Like he should have, I yeah. wish he was in more of the movie. Yeah. It's crazy when he's like smearing honey on himself at the beginning and then he's going to get in his friend's car. Like, wow, that's bananas. And he's just like, he's so cute. He's got such a great voice. He's very like watchable. Like, and it makes me kind of wish, like, I wish he'd done more acting. Yeah. Kind of. He has a great line great. in the movie, which is, I've got a really hot idea. And it doesn't <laughs> seem, it doesn't seem to pertain to anything like sexual. It just seems like they're substituting cool for hot. Yeah. It's very strange. Or hot for cool, I should say. It's very strange. Um, the teacher is dressed as Let's Dance era David Bowie, I believe, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the... You're thinking of the yellow suit? Yeah. Yellow suit is not the teacher. Yellow suit is the t- is the blonde teenage girl that Mike was getting confused with the no. teacher. No, yellow, yellow suit, suit is, is the, the teacher. What the fuck? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yellow suit is the weird... The yellow suit, like... There's also, like, the weird part of, like, Peter DeLuise being, like going up to dance with her and like i don't know necking with her apparently and it's like this is a weird mm. like just thread to drop into this yeah <laughs> into I think it's cool. like it's like it does it it, it it can't be like a horny teen comedy but there's a couple of like little just like a sprinkling of that like if yeah yeah mm-hmm. actually it, you it, know it, what? it was actually a lot like fun size in that manner that makes it feel more like the 90s because the 90s was like a little bit more like sexually conservative mm-hmm. uh, entertainment, um, like in some ways, at least in teen stuff. So, yeah, maybe that's part of why why I dig it so much. Well, it also felt like the backstory of 
like LeVar and Sherry Belafonte are like having some kind of conflict in their relationship that's like not clear at all. Yeah. And uh it feels like maybe the subtext of it is like he really wants to have sex and like she doesn't because then when she's like horny vampire lady, he's like, it's on. (laughs) Like finally. And it's like and right before that they'd been having an unspecified argument. So it's just so like, yeah, there's stuff like that. Um, but none of the, like, none of it is explicit. Like, we don't actually know that that's what's happening. Yeah. I have a question. And Andrew, Mm. you might be better better able to answer this. Mm -hmm. The scene where, like, the security guard gets jumped by the werewolf, it, like, jumps through the window at him. Security guard, you mean the dude who just, like, has a couple dogs and is just... And a shovel or something? Yeah. Yeah. He is is not a security guard. He is just a weirdo with a gun. Yeah. Uh... And then, so he gets attacked, and the werewolf is attacking him. And then the camera moves kind of up and away, and it pulls up so that the the street light is framed like just so in the shot. Oh yeah, that looked familiar to me. But is that a direct reference to like American Werewolf in London, or like is, did you recognize that from something? No. Okay. I, I recognize it as a nice shot. Okay, because it, it felt like like Jack the Ripper or like where like, it's like mm. maybe the Wolfman or something. I didn't know. Sure. It Lee, could definitely be any one of those things. Lee thought that the like people waking up in their grave scene, he was like, this is very American werewolf in London. That's what he thought. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> it reminded me of the Haunted Mansion and a little bit like uh, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Gosh, I haven't seen that in forever. I don't think I've seen that since high school. Um, is it good return of the living dead yeah um i, I feel mean, like i saw it in high good? school well so like i watched it in high school because i was on i saw night of the living dead and then i saw dawn of the dead so i was like on a zombie kick and this was like right before every movie that came out had zombies so this was like 2001 or two um and so i watched yeah. i rented return of the living dead because people were like oh i actually i think i thought it was actually like a romero zombie movie and i watched yeah. it and i remember not liking it yeah, it's not. I can't remember because there's a few Return of the Living Dead movies. Yeah, and I, I have seen the one where there is a woman who is fully naked for the for her entire time on screen, and like she is present for a good portion of the movie. So yeah. she <laughs> is fully naked while they are like doing other normal movie stuff, like they're on the run from zombies, fully naked. They they stop wherever they stop to hide out or whatever. She remains fully naked. Interesting. Um, it's a very strange choice. Um, we should that that makes me think of Life Force. We should do like a yeah. movie that has a nude character the entire film. It makes me think of The Howling too. Um, oh, I've never seen that. Okay, I haven't seen the movie, but it has my oh. favorite end credits of all time, where um, there's a band that I think is also in the first one that they have like their song. First of all, their song is like the chorus is like the howling and it's like a new wave, shitty new wave band. And every time they say that chorus where they're just like the howling, I always think they're going to say part two right after that, which would be really funny. (laughs) But (laughs) for for the credits, so there's a huge busty (laughs) vampire, like big fake titty vampire lady Mm. in it. Oh yeah. And, there's a part in the movie where she's wearing like this kind of like wrap dress and she, it like rips it open to just like expose her naked breasts. And they incorporate the sound of her tearing her dress open. Like they, 
they cut it like to the music. They show that scene of her ripping her dress off as like an accent in the music video, like forty five times. That's kind of for real. You should for that look actress. it up. Oh, she was really, really mad. Um, it's terrible, but it's the funniest shit I've ever <laughs> seen. And you can look up the end credits on YouTube, and it's so funny. Okay. I actually just watched the first Helen the other day, so maybe I'll check out that the That is a great movie. You know, I love Joe Dante. You know I love Joe Dante. Mm-hmm. But I was oh, a little like, I felt like here. I felt like the howling never like took off or something. Like it just kind of, and I love D. Wallace. Was that? Maybe you're right. I know that um, Rick Baker left that movie to go do American Werewolf in London. Oh, damn. Just, I, I'm pretty sure his protege just like took over. Okay. Um, well, and it's so, partially I, the story cool. where like, I really like it when they're like in the city and there's werewolves and it's kind of like grimy. Like, you know, they go to that like adult movie theater. Um, and, but yeah, but then they go out into the, the cabins where like the cult lives and I guess spoiler alert for the howling. Um, yeah, anyways, we won't talk about the howling. But yeah, I'm I was just to, a little I'm, let down. I'm trying to remember because I think what I remember most about the howling is the transformation and then the ending. Cuz the ending is very like um it's like uh like network, right? Or who's that? Yeah. That that they reporter live. who killed themselves on TV or whatever. Um Oh, um I know who you're talking about. Something uh, there was like a documentary about her a while back. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's it's like that ending, right? Like, doesn't don't they they kill themselves on TV? Or well, they, become a were, they become a werewolf on TV or something. That's what like, it is. So D, D Wallace, uh, D Wallace Stone, D Wallace, whatever. She um, to prove that werewolves are real, she does that on the newscast. Like she transforms on the newscast. That's cool. But, I mean, That's it's kind of cool. Ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't that. Yeah, it just it was. Anyways, we're talking about the midnight hour. Uh, I was just looking at the how ha- just a sidebar about I was rewatching the Howling Part Two credits right now, uh-huh. and while you guys were talking about whatever uh, Howling One, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, and first of all, it's really funny because the lead singer of the band sings like uh, he's doing Will Ferrell's Robert Goulet impression is what he sounds like to me, and then also like in between her like ripping her like dress open, they'll like show. Christopher Lee, like from a different part of the movie, presumably being like, like making a like, huh, like face. <laughs> it's so funny. I put it in the chat. You can watch it. All right, excellent. I still have to watch the Superman video Andrew shared. I have I have that bookmarked. Oh, yeah. Um, do we have any little stragglers for the midnight hour? Um, I do not. No, okay. I'm trying to, th- I I asked. The only thing that I haven't really. Yeah, the only thing I haven't asked was um, what was he supposed to be? Like, what was his costume, Phil's costume? I thought he was a wolf like man. I'm... I had the same exact question. I thought he was but a wolf But he's also man. a Dracula. He's like but, a glam rock got, Dracula like, that or thing. something. See, I thought he was a werewolf because I felt like right when he emerged from his house in his costume, there was like another werewolf. And I thought they were. it was kind of like, oh, but then, yeah, his actual outfit is that of a Dracula. But then he has like a triangle drawn on his face that's why i say gl- and and a tinsel wig so i was like is yeah. this like a glam rock thing so yeah that was very weird it was and they made such a thing about it because like he comes to, he comes down the stairs like rachel Lee cook and she's all that mm-hmm. and he is just so elated he's so excited this this 17 year old boy 
is so excited to show his little sister and his mom uh, his freaking lame-ass costume. Um, and then walks outside, and he's, like, scaring Kit and stuff. That was fun. But, like, I, uh, yeah, I could not... I felt like it. I needed to know what he was because yeah. it's very, the movie is so excited about or it. At least, or at least have no one in the movie be able to tell what he is. And, make like, have it be, be like, a very yeah. intellectual costume because he's such a fucking dork. And then yeah. no one can tell what it is. Like... Or yeah. or him trying to be cool, like if you if you're right and he's like glam rock Dracula and like no one gets it, like that would be that'd be cool. Funny. We need to, to we lean should... more into his like desperation to get laid or something. We should remake this movie. I think we could do it. Uh, we definitely could. <laughs> Kenny Ortega already did, but uh, yeah, well, let's do it. Yeah, I, that's true. We would just get accused of trying to like crappy rip off uh, Hocus Pocus or something. I don't care. I don't care either. Haters, I just want to make a film. What did you say? Haters make me... Make live. me famous. Haters make me famous. Uh, yeah. I'm going to dab on them. Yeah, I'm always dabbing <laughs> on my haters. All right. Do we want to do a cruise minute or do you need to get going? No, I can do that. Let's do it. I got one. I don't have one. Oh, you do have one? Mm-hmm. Go for it, what kid. What do you got? Um, I'm not going to steal what I think Andrews would will be, um, but Andrew did also send us like uh, behind the scenes footage of Jack Reacher, which was really cool to watch. But like the call the car stuff was like really really fun. Um, but we had been I don't think on the podcast I don't think on cast I think it was an off cast conversation, an off cast convo. But um, we were <laughs> talking about whether. There's a conspiracy theory that Tom Cruise has never seen a movie um, because he's never or hardly ever in all his years of press been willing to name a specific movie at any time. My theory Mm -hmm. is that he doesn't want to imply that any one movie is any better than another movie um, because that would make a movie one of the movies sad, presumably. Um, Mm -hmm. So. um, But in the Jack Reacher behind the scenes, there's a part after he's been like stunt driving this car and getting it all fucked up where he taps it and he says, that'll buff right out. (laughs) And it (laughs) triggered a memory in my head. And I'm like, that's, that's from, what is that from? Like, maybe that's just a thing that a dad says. I don't know, but it set off a bell in my head. And I was like, where is that? And I Googled it. And in planes, trains and automobiles also aforementioned, when after they've had that horrible like semi, you know, with the semis and everything, like car accident that like scrapes the sides of the car off, uh, John Candy is like tapping the car like exactly how Tom Cruise does, and is like says something very similar of like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you'll be able to buff that out." Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. maybe Tom Cruise has seen a movie. Actually, I meant to say that when I mentioned that I just watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I've brought up to you both before that I've never been that nuts about that movie. Um, but watching it again this last week, like it finally clicked with me more. Like it's so it, good, you know, and it, but it is, it's like, I just don't like the kind of comedy where like bad stuff keeps happening to the protagonist. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, what's always like sort of bugged me about it, but more stuff struck me as funny. And at this time than before, like John Candy is just really, really great. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I think that it's pretty much all mm-hmm. of the joy in the movie. He kind of carries it through. And I think, yeah, I finally am starting to. Get I have that eventually. 
I have that screenplay just like saved as a PDF on my desktop because I'm like, well, if I just like look at this enough times, like I'll be able to figure out how to write a screenplay. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, cut this out, I guess. My Man of Steel screenplay might be downstairs right now. I meant to have le- like go check what the fuck? go check the packages. You bought a Man of Steel screenplay? You didn't I see did. your text. I saw that you bought a screenplay that Michael Shannon signed. I didn't yeah. know you bought a Man of Steel one. That's so cool. I mean, I hope That's not fair. You shouldn't get to have that. You don't I, like I don't that even. Movie. But here's the thing. <laughs> I don't even know if the screenplay is real because they they say like certificate of authenticity, but they probably mean for the signature. And who knows right. what the screenplay is? Could be just like a transcript printed out. I don't know if it's like obviously I'm looking for like a. You want notes? You want like the color code? Not even that, script. but like one that was used. You know, like like a yeah. actual screenplay for the fu- preferably for like a shooting a shooting script. You know, like not like a early a draft. Script, a shooting script would, I think it would have like color coded stuff. I don't think it would be like it wouldn't look like how you normally see a script. I don't think. I just want what I don't want is something that's like here's an early draft where like the part on Krypton lasted like 90 minutes longer or something. <laughs> like, I want like the stage that. directions that. that match up to the movie because I want to mm. I just need to know. Basically, I want to rewrite that screenplay, but I don't want to have to like can, figure can out I all tell the stage you that directions. There's no way that's going to happen because the dude famously like sh- shoots even more like even more I know. Bl- bloat than actually appears in the movie. I know. I know, yeah. which is that's crazy. That's cra- the amount crazy. of money that that man has been given to just mm-hmm. waste in his lifetime. I mean, that's what is it? A billion dollars at this point <laughs> that he's it just been pretty... allowed to like splooge out willy nilly. It, it is very weird to me that like just looking at those early days of Warner Brothers desperately trying to catch up to Marvel Studios and just like, okay, we made Man of Steel. The reviews were extremely lukewarm. We made an okay amount of money. We we got a return on an investment, but it didn't blow the doors off. Uh, let's hire this guy to make four more movies. <laughs> and I let's know. give him more money. It's truly quite insane. And it's- then they make... Batman v Superman, and it gets absolutely shredded, but still makes, you know, $600 million. <laughs> so, like, well, it made an okay amount of money for how much we spent. Not a great amount, and the reviews were significantly worse. Should we let Zack Snyder make two more movies? <laughs> Let's do it. So weird. It's the weirdest thing. I don't understand. I guess it's just, it's to me, it's what they did is they're like, well, over there they got Joss Whedon, and he's... He's doing punch up on all the scripts and he's in charge sort of of over, you know, looking over everything that everyone else is making. So maybe if we just stick with Zack Snyder doing everything, it'll somehow turn out okay. But it's just it's such a weird (sighs) I don't understand how some people get to make movies and it's not even Zack Snyder. I do understand how Zack Snyder gets to make movies because he makes things that usually look like movies. But like it's just so weird to me sometimes. How people get to fail so incredibly hard with so much money and then get to do it over and over and over again. I spent the entirety of my (laughs) last therapy session talking about 
Zack Snyder, basically, like talking about <laughs> Superman movies, but specifically Man of Steel and him yeah. just being like, why do you think that bothers you so much? And I was like, well, part of it is like, why does this dude get to be in this position over and over and over and over again, no matter how shitty he is at it? Like, why? And and then just like. There's these good ideas in there that just get wasted and then it feels like well now somebody else can't do that like now like yeah like you yeah. can't use those ideas again that were good and buried beneath this like wall of shit it's just and, it's very frustrating but, i mean yeah i agree with that too i'm speaking like purely from a business standpoint yes like because i would say the same thing about like why do they keep giving i don't know some guy who makes great movies that no one goes to see but i mean that guy does I'm not sure he exists, but if he does, um, you know, like, why is that happening too? I don't, I don't. Denny Villeneuve movie... or whatever. Sure. Sure. What? I mean that it's like, I know there's a little bit of money to be made on prestige. Like I know that, you know, there are studio, like studios will make movies. They know they're going to take a, a loss on. Um, but yeah, Denis Villeneuve doesn't make any sense to me because it's like, let's give him $200 million and hope for an Oscar, <laughs> not yeah. let's give him $2 million and hope for an Oscar. So it's very, yeah, it's very strange to me. I don't totally follow the logic. All right. Should I set up next episode? Um, yeah, my cruise minute. Sorry. Um, oh, okay. Let, let me get my cruise minute out of the way before you do that. Um, sure. So I, I texted you guys earlier, but um, like maybe yesterday or the day before, but there's a really great connection between our last podcast and uh, our current podcast um, in that it turns out that uh, Adam Sandler, who was in Punch Drunk Love, uh, he was he met Paul Thomas Anderson through a friend of ours. Um, <laughs> Tom Cruise called him up which they had met on like saturday night live or something in passing i think nicole kidman was hosting or something mm -hmm. um but he said uh he said tom cruise called me up and said i'm doing a movie with my friend paul he's a great director and he's interested in doing a movie with you and samler remembers at the time he didn't know who anderson was but he got on a call with anderson who said he loved billy madison and sandler's comedy albums and he offered to cast sandler in his upcoming movie Taking a chance on a director he didn't know, Sandler ended up taking the lead role in what would become Punch Drunk Love. Later, Sandler said he went to a theater and saw Magnolia out of curiosity because he had no idea who this dude was and ended up looking up at it uh, fucking terrified. He said, I was going, oh, this guy is fucking better than me, he says. I don't know. What, I, didn't, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to ruin this movie. Um, so anyway, that's it. I thought that I liked, was really sweet. I liked when he talked about seeing Tom Cruise backstage and he had like a ball cap on and then mm -hmm. he like lifted it or like looked up at him and Adam Sandler looked into his eyes and he was like, I fell in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope that happens to me someday. I do too. To you. <laughs> you don't want that? Um, I'm already in love. Sarah would get mad. You don't want to look into Tom Cruise's eyes. I think it'd be fun. I do hope to get to meet him someday. Just to say, hey, do you, I do wonder, like, could I maintain, maintain eye contact? You know, like if he was like talking to you I mean, and not yeah. as long as him, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> My eyes would melt out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. 
Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Please join us. But Mike. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Yeah. What do the listeners <laughs> want to know what we're going to watch next week? Please join us next week for 1944's The Uninvited, which is Andrew's pick for our Halloween bonus. Yep. I have never seen it. Oh, you haven't? I have never seen it. Uh, I bought it was a blind Criterion buy last year. Okay, cool. Um, and I just haven't watched it yet. Cool. And I thought I thought it came out in the forties, so it probably won't be too scary for Kit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've That's seen my it, you, Kit? No. Oh well, I guess. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Slow motion triple feature was recorded in a secret room full of cursed objects at your local history museum. Special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. And we really do. We really, we really, we want your emails. They're very important to us. Um, We're always looking like, how can we make this show a better show? But please stop sending hate mail directed at Mike. Please. It really does. It eats away at me. I'm not sleeping. I don't have much of an appetite these days. If you now, could at least Mike, phrase it as constructive that? criticism. Yeah, yeah. That would be I, yeah, good. I'm totally open to constructive criticism. Although like one not, thing not, I've your, always... not like your voice sucks, but like, hey, maybe you could like t- t- speak a little quieter. Move away <laughs> yeah, from or the speak mic. less. Yeah. Speak less. Or speak less, yes. Yeah, and well, I don't want I don't want people to feel like, oh, like I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings by calling them out right now but like you know because if if you if the insults were to drive you to leave the show we would replace you it would be fine yeah so don't feel like you're don't feel like you're hurting the show in any way you're not and um, also mike if you, you want to stop doing it like like well that's right. fine <laughs> right yeah no i'd like to keep going if you guys are cool with <laughs> that, that i mean remember how think... much we whined to get him to do yeah. a new, another podcast with us? yeah uh, <laughs> it was true. a full it was a full year i think of whining yeah. I mean, the Sandler cast was hard on us all. So it was. Well, yeah, it yeah. was hard. Do you think? Uh, what if it came out that Mike was writing his own hate mail? <laughs> Haters make me famous. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's gonna happen. I have. I was gonna say though. I have always, and I don't really. But years ago, I did want to know what it would be like to be one of those people who Twitter like aimed their cannons at for a couple of weeks, like just mm-hmm. to have the, seemingly like the whole media <laughs> world hate you. I, I feel like. That would see kind you of... see you glowing in it. Yeah, I almost feel yeah. like I would feed off you, of it. Yeah, this, like is, would, this is your there's fetish. There's no way you you would be so happy. I I think I would. I really think it would be <laughs> fun. Would. I, I think mean, that that is I, true, true as as close to happiness as any one of us has ever felt would be everyone <laughs> hating you. Right. I couldn't yeah. do it now because like if I were to get canceled, I actually there's actually like you know consequences and I've got like a life and everything. But like five years ago when I had nothing to go for or nothing going for me, it would have been fascinating to like just spin that into, you know. Yeah, because we weren't we weren't podcasting five years ago even. No, that's true. Our first podcast was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we did we did Taylor Swift. I think around was it five years ago? Fifteen, I think so. Okay. Wait, when did 1989 come out? Wasn't that 2014? Yes. Yeah, fourteen or fifteen. So, nineteen eighty nine, Tay Dog. Uh, pretty sure it was two thousand fourteen. Yeah, it was two thousand fourteen. So we weren't podcasting. So like, you really had nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we had finished the podcast. Plus, I had just lost Taylor, so I really had nothing. So. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Sarah, she had put, put she had put out what would retroactively turned out turn out to be her last 
good album, but at the time seemed like her first bad album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, good night and good luck. Hooray for-